I just felt like everybody needed a good bit of waking up music and getting going here this day and evening. I just uh, want everybody to feel good. And that song makes me feel good. And if it doesn't, then you need to get back to Russia, dang you. <laughs> I thought we needed, because, you know, there's some depressing things to talk about. And by the way, I hope that you guys enjoyed talking, or rather listening to uh, George Rockler. I wanted to get George on the last segment because I think this Advanced Colorado, and I'm not sure I, I got the uh, website out there well enough. Their website is Advanced Colorado, one word, A A D V A N C E C O L O R Rado, and uh, at or dot org. So that's dot org o r g. And they're, what they're trying to do is, and if you heard that, I mean, they're trying to recruit candidates and people who want to help in elections. To just kind of give them some of the basic and fundamental rules out there to understand things and get on the right page and so they feel prepared. And what I said too, I think is true that you want to prepare people sometimes who don't necessarily want to be candidates or are thinking about it. They're not sure, but they'd like to have enough knowledge and information to be good campaign managers or just help out in campaigns. Feel like they know what's going on. A good example of that, and I think they cover this is how to organize a like a 527 group or something like that because people get sideways with these ridiculous campaign rules anymore where if you and a few people get together and you don't like something that's being done let's say uh, which is pretty easy <laughs> and you want to get together and, and you want to protest against it and stuff like that which feel free to do so apparently uh you there's no end to what people can protest against these days and and we Tend not to say nearly as much as we should. But let's say you want to buy some commercials and you want other people to know about it. If you're not careful, you can walk into one of these campaign law problems where, oh, you're an organized group and you're spending money against a ballot issue or for a ballot issue or this or that. You should have registered as X, Y, and Z. And next thing you know, you're getting some letter from the Secretary of State, that crazy Jenner Griswold, that could, she's got to go, please, please, Jenner Griswold's got to go. But you're getting crazy letters from them, threatening you with fines because you didn't register and so forth. These kinds of little teaching things that you can get for free are really important because they give you that confidence to do it correctly and keep you out of uh, f- some kind of financial bind or something if you're trying to just get some people together and spend a few bucks. Because we encourage you to do that. I just want to make sure you do it right so you don't get sided with these bureaucrats out there that want to suppress it through rulemaking and making it too complicated for regular people to do anything. So this is a, a really good opportunity, I think. And I wanted to also jump back into some of the stories that I thought were important this week just to make sure you guys knew about them and take check them out because I, I, the, there's a couple out there that were very interesting. One is kind of bizarre and not unexpected, sadly. Uh, the, the title of it was, House Dem Wants to Freeze Financial Assets of Domestic Extremists, Including Some January 6 Rioters. I would like to go on record as saying that I was in favor of a lot of the Patriot Act, and now that it and its spawn in the federal government have given these people all of these powers... Uh, to interfere with uh, financial transactions, to internal spying, all these kinds of things, you got out of control pretty quickly. In retrospect, I wish we'd have paid more attention to it. The one thing that I, I thought was a really bad idea and turned out to be correct was uh, the TSA. I thought, you know, creating this enormous 
bureaucratic, sort of bizarre law enforcement kind of, barely security kind of thing at the airports. I didn't see how it could turn out to be a good idea. And, of course, it was immediately unionized. But George Bush said that, oh, it'll never be unionized. It was almost immediately unionized. Another huge pot of union money to go towards Democrat candidates. Beyond its weird inefficiencies and overreach and who knows what else, depending on what airport you're in. But now we're seeing this stuff continue to come out. Uh, this guy was a New Jersey Democrat. Democrat, What a surprise. Uh, and his his bill that he's proposing, which I don't believe will pass, luckily, and hopefully Republicans will take back the House at least, preferably the Senate. And I think there's a decent chance of that, by the way. And stop this kind of craziness. It's called Freezing Assets of Suspected Terrorists and, en- and uh, Enemy Recruits Act. Man, I mean, this is the sort of thing that, uh, what I wrote about it, actually. I said, it's a sad comment that Nitwit thinks copying Justin Trudeau, Canada's low IQ Castro clone, is a good idea. I don't think I could say anything more about that. That's what that is. Those are the people out there in the government that are supposedly working for you. Yeah. But there is some, there was something good is that the Supreme Court, this is another story I put up, is the Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court, vacated this Massachusetts gun control law. And they sent uh, Massachusetts once again trying to figure out a way to keep people from having firearms by putting you through a bureaucratic maze and making you justify the idea that you may need to defend yourself uh, in areas where the government, by the way, whose first job is to protect you, has decided that it's not important at all, and they're just going to give up on it. And so that, but also not to let you protect yourself. That would be wrong. Uh, you should hire someone with other people's money to protect yourself. Oh, you can't do that because you're not a politician? Oh, I don't know what to tell you then. That's who's running these things. But the Supreme Court had said that no, you know, remember they had this New York decision, which no, New York is still just flip-flopping all over the place about how they can meet the Supreme Court's discussion of the Second Amendment that says you cannot require people to prove they need to have access to the Second Amendment. It's in the Constitution. You know, I checked. It's been in there for a really long time. And people in the East Coast don't seem to notice it's there. It's like it's invisible. It's like hysterical blindness. You know how people don't see things that bother them too badly. You know, they it bother them badly enough they just go blind. I think that's what's happened to a lot of Democrats, uh, especially the far left ones. They look at the Constitution. They don't see the Second Amendment at all. Anyway, uh, so they said, look, this this law in Massachusetts is requiring all of these hoops to jump through to get a permit to have a weapon or carry a weapon is something that we're just not going to allow to go through without the court re-examining their findings in the lower court. Because the lower court said, eh, it's all right. Supreme Court said, we don't think so. Not after our findings on the New York case. You need to reconsider it. So they sent it back down to reconsider it, which I suspect that the court it came up from will reconsider it and trim it down a little bit and try and weasel something through that is restrictive on gun owners as possible. And I guess we'll see if the Supreme Court will accept that and what they do with it. Maybe I'm being unfair to them. No. No, I guess not. But here's something that uh, Justice Thomas, that they quoted about this uh, Massachusetts law. And this was from the 
New York law that came down this week. This is what Justice Thomas, who's what a giant that man is. I mean, to to do the things he has done, pinpoint Georgia coming up from just nothing, uh, making so much of himself, and and such a brilliant guy, and he just must be made of steel. It's a little he's a little like Trump in the sense, not in the bombastic way, but man, that guy he can take it. I don't know how he has survived. And you know the person who really gave it to him the most in the beginning? Yeah, Joe Biden on the Judiciary Committee. Remember that? And never forget old Joe out there attacking Clarence Thomas. Anyway, but here's what Clarence Thomas wrote about the constitutional right found in the Second Amendment. He said, The constitutional right to bear arms in public for self-defense is not a second-class right subject to an entirely different body of rules than the other Bill of Rights guarantees. We know of no other constitutional right that an individual may exercise only after demonstrating to government officers some special need. I mean, isn't that kind of elegant in its explanation? There's no other constitutional right in that's present in the Bill of Rights that you have to demonstrate to some government official that you have some need to exercise it. The very existence of it in the Constitution and in the Bill of Rights is that you need no government permission to exercise anything in there. These are natural rights. These are rights guaranteed to you, not by the Constitution, but the Constitution recognizes the inherent natural right, and they enshrine it in the Constitution, a slightly different idea. I don't like the idea that, that the Constitution gives you rights. It protects your rights. Your rights are given to you by your creator, not by any government official or even a a piece of paper as great as the Constitution is. The Constitution protects your rights. It is a suit of armor for the natural rights of man that the framers of of the country and the Constitution itself crafted to protect you from what they knew would be the overreaches of government. Clarence Thomas recognizes that. It's nice to see. It's sad that it is so rare, especially when uh, you see another story I had that uh, in the midterms, 77% of the people out there polled. And remember, when they poll people anymore, there's a lot more Democrats that are answering those polls than Republicans, and certainly many more than real conservatives who just have become, as like we talked about last week, as they become stealth uh, voters. They don't talk to people about what they're going to do. They don't broadcast what they're going to do. They don't want to be chastised for it by a bunch of nincompoops. And they're just going to go about their business. So these polls are always skewed towards the liberal side. So when you see one, they're like 77% of the population polled see crime as a major problem. That means it's a lot more. There are people out there that aren't answering it. This is a real, this is a real difficulty for the Democrats because they, they seem to it's a strange thing if you just sit down and try and think, why do they like crime? <laughs> I mean, what, what, who likes that? I mean, what, what does it do? And you realize that they don't like crime. They want to ignore crime because fighting it goes against their narrative. And their narrative is that there is a repressive state out there somewhere since they control the state for the most part, you wonder where it is, that is based on some sort of like, now they want to call it white supremacy, 
Before it used to be the man, remember that? Uh, it just used to be this shadowy, you know, thing out there that was oppressing all these various groups. And they, they've changed over time, but the idea is to break the country up into competing interest groups that are oppressed by this vague, overarching symbol of something. And it changes depending kind of on the culture at the time. Now it's racism and things like that. In the 60s and 70s, it was like, you know, the man, the corporate interests, you know, the cigar-smoking big guy from uh, the Monopoly game. But it, it changes. But the idea is to demonize some group and then say that everything that happens to this these other groups that I've picked out, these disadvantaged groups supposedly, uh, need my protection. And... They decided that the police are the symbol of these oppressive groups. They have been since what? Probably 67, 68, right? And it varies which group they're the symbol of, which group they're helping repress the other groups. And so because of that, they can't give in to the idea of fighting crime because the police and the whole crime-fighting apparatus is a boogeyman for them. So that they can point to it and say, you need us to protect you, whoever you might be at the time, the voting block they're trying to, to, uh, convince that, the, that, that should support them. You need us to protect, uh, protect you from, you know, the police and the police state and, and criminal justice and, you know, all these other things. When what we found now, which is really interesting, is that the people that are getting most re- attacked and repressed pretty much by the, certainly the federal piece of this has lately become people who disagree with the government and real crime is explained away as a, oh the crime it's a construct and you know we've talked about postmodernism, and I, I i won't read the definition again because it's uh, you know it's the idea that there is there is no real truth and that everything is a construct and the idea is that Crime and what's criminal behavior is a construct of the ruling order, and it's all about power, and we say things are crimes because it is a tool to keep people down so that the ruling class can, you know, it's, it's some sort of, uh, you know, vaguely idiotic Marxism, uh, class warfare thing, and it's just used as a tool to, um, try and create a group of people that need another group to protect them. And that's what the Democrats have done. The far left has done that for a while. And in order to create this group, they have to institute policies that essentially harm the groups they're supposedly helping. And it's okay because it keeps them downtrodden, and then they convince them that they need the Democrats to fix everything for them, despite the fact that in 40 years of great society and the all these programs and everything, for the most part, many of these individual groups of people that they've chosen to, you know, highlight as being oppressed has gotten worse. Despite untold amounts of money and attention and legislation and creating all sorts of tension in the body politic, they've done nothing for them. They've, they've essentially held them back through these policies. And they don't really mind because as long as the, there's these groups that are, you know, not living as well as they could, many of them because of these policies, 
it apparently allows the far left to explain to them that the reason they're doing that is still, you know, the man, racism, whatever the, whatever the boogeyman of the day is. And it's such a sad, sad story. Uh, and so we end up with crime everywhere because we have created hopeless situations for people where they they don't understand what's happening because they, they can't get out of it. And uh, their educational system seems to be purposefully, or, or if not, just I can't decide if it's if it's idiocy or if there's purpose to it. Maybe it's a mix. Whether they're not given educational background to be able to get out of this or really understand what's going on because they're not told. They don't know anything about the history. They're not explaining how the government works. They don't, you know, and that's okay because then they don't understand what's really happening because they're not given they're not given the information and the tools to get the information and it it has created this terrible situation where groups of people that were really doing so much better in many instances in the 60s you know were just stopped and in some instances reversed it's ridiculous i mean people are people i mean these these Immutable differences they talk about are all surface. I mean, they do with if someone's a good person or a bad person or a smart person, or Joe Biden, for instance, which is the other end of the spectrum of a smart person. No, but that's 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 what happens. And crime is the inevitable result of those kinds of positions. That there's an oppressive nature out there, so you have to resist all of it, and and that's going to end, end up to a lack of criminal justice, and that is going to lead to crime among populations that. Are you know feeling hopeless and have no uh, no understanding of what's going on around because they're not allowed to? It's ridiculous. <sighs> I'm sorry about Ray, you know going on about that, but uh, you know, and you might look at a couple more of these stories out here because there is there's some really interesting stuff. And along those lines, uh, you know, they're they're having a lot of trouble with the traditional groups. Uh, a lot of the of the minority groups, as they like to think of them. Um, are seeing that these these policies are, are not meant to help anybody. They're meant to create this this weird dependent system that will always keep whoever it's aimed at uh, dependent upon the people who run it. That's the system, and they they see that and are able to wake up to it now. But it's hard. It's not it's easy to see. They don't want. They don't make it easy to see. In the in the areas that they are imposing those ideas on, it's very it's very sad. It's sad. It's wrong. But um, let's see. I wanted to mention something else. You might also look at this story uh, that I have up here that you might like about millions in pandemic relief was awarded to government workers as bonuses. That'll make you feel pretty good about stuff. But um, what will make you feel better is this whole idea that I think that the electorate is shifting away from the Democrats, even the traditional groups that they've tried to cultivate. Those groups are realizing that these policies just don't improve their life. They're just meant to make them more dependent on government. And then by doing that, they they can't succeed in other ways. And it's a problem for them. One thing that happened this week that I thought was very interesting, not widely reported, uh, but I saw it that the Coast Guard stopped a bunch of uh, Cuban refugees trying to get to the United States. Now, what do you suppose happened if the goings-on in other places, at the southern border and everything, were any indication? You'd expect these these refugees who've been at sea trying to get to the United States would have been intercepted by the Coast Guard, slashed and taken to customs and ICE, and then 
you know, relocated in the United States and something, you know, just like everybody else. Uh, maybe secretly flown into a, a major city. I mean, you know, but no, you know what they did? They turned them back to Cuba. Isn't that interesting? Could it be that the Cuban Americans who have experienced life under Castro tend to be very conservative when in this country? Marco Rubio's parents, for instance, all kind of, they, they tend to be conservatives when they come here. They've lived under communism. They see what it's like and they see where all this goes. And they want to be part of it. It's interesting how we're not interested in Cuban refugees because they know the score. So do you. We'll be back next week.